Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing already? Give me, just give me a second because I need to work out how to start this. Um, what did we say we started with? Our book, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, this is so pro. Okay, that wasn't the start. I think it wasn't the start. Let's just plough. Come on. People are used to this level of crappy service. <laughs> hey, our book's nearly out. I know. Oh, my God. It feels kind of weird because with in Sydney and Melbourne with bookstores and Canberra with bookstores and stuff shut and we're in Sydney so we're not travelling anywhere and so it's all it's quite different to any other book that I've ever um, done yeah. in that kind of a sense. But um, Well, the cool anyway. thing is we are doing a um, – Facebook Live event. Um, yeah. Remind me what date that is. It's it's the first of October, so I'm not sure yeah. if this pod's coming out after that or no, before that. No, no, no. This pod will be out by then. I think. Okay, will it? All right. Okay, so first of October, jump on um, Facebook. While we're talking about the Chat Ten fan base, can I just give a shout out to our subscribers because during this yeah. period that they have kept this podcast afloat because we haven't been able to do, I think in two years we've been able to do one live show yep. and we still have all the same costs that we have for, you know, production and the social media management and the website and all of that stuff. Newsletter. So, newsletter. So the subscribers have kept us uh, able to keep doing this and keeping the podcast itself free. So thank you very much. If you would like to be a subscriber, I think from memory you can choose like $1 a month or $5 a month or $10 yeah, a month, something like that. it's just in the Chat 10 shop. And you get nothing extra for it except the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping keep the place nice because, like, you know. We've, and we always – our thing is we always want to keep the podcast itself free. Yep. So, um, you oh, know, that's the why there's merch. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's why there's a subscription option or you can buy merch sometimes. That helps us as well. Um, so just go to the Chat 10 Looks Through website and you can see the subscription link if you would like to do that. Yeah, and thank you because we really – I think – only had to really ask once for subscribers. Yeah, we did. Like um, when we just started thinking, oh my god, we can't actually um, run anywhere. this, and so what? How do we um, keep going? And people just really uh, came out of the woodwork in the most kind um, and generous way, and that has been unbelievable. Because I think you know, I think some people have found comfort in you know the the Facebook group and and in the community over the last really crappy couple of years so thank you for um playing a part in that um so now i've got something to break to you what oh god what? you know i've got an unfortunate interest in sports documentaries mm. there's a new one that uh was recommended to me mm. and uh i've watched one episode it's called f1 drive to survive <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's on netflix you're not serious. I look. I F1, <laughs> drive to survive. Do you know what? It's got so many people are into it. I saw people. I saw Mark Scott and Kate McClymont discussing it amongst themselves on Twitter. And another one of my friends' kids have been watching it. And he said, "Oh my god, people! They just they get to know everything about Formula One. They they just get so hooked into it. So apparently, it's very sticky once you start watching. I watched episode one, wow. and I was on and my phone stuck. a bit at the time, so I don't feel like I got the full experience of it. But the thing that was really odd was. For some reason, well, actually, for obvious reasons, I'd never really thought about Formula One very much. And then when I'm watching the doco, I'm thinking, this is properly terrifying. Like, look how fast these cars are going. This is unbelievable. So, and so, so have... just as a trained observer with decades in the media industry, it's only just occurred to you that racing cars go fast. <laughs> are you for real? <laughs> I just... 
I just seems to me to be one of the more obvious aspects. I of knew the sport. I knew they went fast, but I'd never really thought about what it must be like to be in one going that fast, and then and how dangerous it actually is. And what rammed it home to me was Daniel Ricciardo, who I think is like one of the big champions of F one at the moment. Yeah, they have to a... the twang as you reach the limit of your F one knowledge. It's a short <laughs> they... piece of string. <laughs> Exactly, that's all right. They had a, a sequence where his mum's watching his car race. Oh, and my you, God. You just have your face in a pillow the whole time. Oh, she just you, you can't fake her level of um, just extreme terror as she's watching it. Oh, God, it was just... So I what's just the point of F1? Like it's just a documentary about... It's People like a oh, look. I suspect it's like everyone's seen the success of the Last Dance, and so they're all wanting to kind of replicate oh and God. jump on that. Imagine so. if it's like if it spreads to you know competitive Sudoku or like. Well, they have in the first episode they have this bit where um, you know how they do their little pit stop and the dudes sure, take the wheels yeah. off and do whatever they do. Yeah. Um, they they come in and they do that and then whoever's driving the car is going really well and before the pit stop and then something goes wrong in the pit stop like they don't screw the yeah. wheel on properly or yeah. something and he drives off and then he basically just has to pull over and oh, he's out straight yeah. away and the dude who's in charge of you know car sort of massaging in the in the thing yeah oh massaging. he's gutted he's <laughs> abso- <a> technical term <laughs> he's absolutely gutted um oh, so yeah, yeah well that would yeah well look. I actually watched and enjoyed Ford v Ferrari, which is about um, oh that's, yeah. yeah with Christian correct yeah Christian Bale who yeah, I Christian can Bale. never ever recognise. I've got a facial blindness thing with Christian Bale. Yeah. I just I can never recognise him and I can't picture him right now. <laughs> Again, I'm reminded of the fact you can't tell the difference between Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon. Yes, so I'm let's... out and proud. I, I'm not resiling <laughs> from that that career <laughs> principle of mine. I do not know the difference between many handsome men. Um, so, um, and I remember watching that movie and my daughter, uh, Audrey saying, this doesn't really pass the Bechdel test, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it does no, not. It does it's not. about blokes. But, um, but you interviewed a racing car driver the other uh, night you, on. <laughs> well, we had actually a story, but because of the popularity of F1 Drive to Survive, um, one of our producers, Claire O'Halloran, did a, uh, reporterless piece with Daniel Ricciardo and uh, Mark Webber, um, another well-known Formula One identity. Anyway, you made me laugh because you texted me and said, I'm just watching you present a story about Formula One and you actually sound like you're convincingly interested in it. And uh, (laughs) you said something like, you know, you just threw out Mark Webber's name like you actually had a fucking idea who he (laughs) even is. And let's be fair, I, I have no idea who he is. <laughs> He's invented a great barbecue, as best I know. People <laughs> people have pretended to recognise the Lee Sales story. <laughs> hey, a lot of old favourites have come back in the past month on uh, streaming services. There is Billions, Succession's About to Land, oh my God, I can't wait for Sex succession. Education, Morning Wars. Oh, my God. So... I am just an unshakable fan of Brian Stelter, the man who wrote the book. I think it's called Morning Wars or it something is, like that. Yeah. It's got a different name in America. That's right. Yeah. It's called Morning Show or something in America. Something I don't know. Like I can never remember. But like anyway, he wrote this book about these sort of completely incredible shenanigans behind the scenes at the Today Show. And it's just exactly the sort of thing I love. It's just kind of like unbelievable, high level, like um, – espionage and counter-espionage and it's all about, you know, presenters on a morning show. Like it's just so deliciously ridiculous. So, and they kind of made it into a series. I mean, they they 
I think he was a consultant, Brian Stelter, on the series. But it's obviously like there's just twists and turns and oh, Reese Witherspoon so and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell, isn't it right? Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and the, this first series was just like just absurdly twist Totally. Heavy. I watched it on and summer holidays. Yeah, Perfect total popcorn. Holiday viewing. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm extremely pleased to be lining up the second season. Have, have you, you started watched? it? No, I haven't. Okay, there's only, they're doing that thing that people seem to be doing now where they're not dropping all the episodes, they're dropping one a week. What is that? Like, I love how the psychology of this seems to go back and forth. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's been lots written about it, about the psychology of just the pleasure of if you stretch it out and also yeah. that it's more water coolery because everyone, it, it recreates that thing right. of people watching something at the isn't same time. is funny and... that we've decided to go back to, yeah. you know, the um, universalised experience? I suppose it's yeah. now because... Streaming services are so common and so broadly, like a lot of people have a bunch of streaming services. So it's gone from being a sort of boutique thing to, oh, yeah, like let's yeah. get together and watch this on, you know. I, I mean, I guess it keeps the show front and centre for longer too on the right. streaming side, right? Yeah. Because if you've got 10 episodes and you're dropping one a week, that means it's going to be near the top of the pile for 10 weeks. Yeah. Whereas you drop all the episodes in one go and everyone binges it in yeah. two weeks, then it's kind and of done. And there's sort of like a what I'll call chilling effect on, you know, social media discussion because when they're all bingeable, um, then the person who's stayed up all night on night one and is has finished episode eight by sunrise feels like it's not quite um, online etiquette to then go online and mm. say, oh, my God, what that's about that true. bit when Sandra gets murdered yeah, in episode eight? And everyone true. goes, oh, my God. That's true. So you can actually get more... Buzz, which is, I guess, what they're all relying on for promotion. Right. If you, if you drop it. Um, That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, is they, it good? I, oh, I loved it. I thought episode one just picked up right, you know, yeah. beautifully from the end of the last season, all t- put, ticked all the same buttons. Interestingly, the same there's buttons. Mm-hmm. a push to all the Is same there buttons. a metaphor that you will not mention? <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> they. Um, You're barking like... up the wrong ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> um, they. I've had to, there's a big issue at the moment in literature and in film and TV, which is how do you deal with COVID? Mm. Do you pretend that COVID didn't exist? Mm. Do you give a vague nod to it? Like, so you don't really mention it, but every now and again, someone whacks a mask on, (laughs) or do you make it a key plot device? And so what they've done, people are viewing that differently. So for example, Stephen King's new novel set in 2019, (laughs) just ignores it. (laughs) So Morning Wars, what they've done, what they do is the, Episode one opens and they have the montage of the empty New York streets and all of the drone shots of New York yep, looking yep. completely deserted. And they have about a minute of that and then they go, three months earlier. <laughs> <laughs> pick it up. And then they have the characters, they're saying things. It's like sort of around New Year's Eve um, and Christmas oh, of right, 2019. 2019. And characters keep saying things like, wow, 2019, this has been the worst year ever. <laughs> So they've kind of dispensed with it like that, um, which is a kind of interesting way to do it. Huge year for fiction. Yeah. And TV events. Yeah. We're probably going to have this gap, you know, where it's going to be novels from 2019 and then 2023. Sure, right. But, I mean, I don't personally, I don't really want to read any novels about COVID and dealing with COVID. No, I do not. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's probably wise to not dive into it. Well, I mean... The plague doesn't really feature all that much in Shakespeare. There's the occasional spicy cough, but like otherwise it's just not really mentioned. Maybe people will just write COVID novels in like 200 years. Yeah, Because, you know, like mm. the plague, I think, probably became more interesting for literature when the actual horror of the plague had sure. subsided. We're just like, it's too fresh for now. Like Geraldine Brooks wrote that book. Was it called Year of the Rat? That's or right. No, no, like... the plague year. No, no. What, what? Plague of Locusts? No, no God. 
shut up. <laughs> now I feel like I'm offending Geraldine Brooks by not me, immediately being able to remember it. that. Let me look I'm it up. I'm very tired. <laughs> was it I love you, Geraldine. Wasn't it, was it called Year of Wonders? Yes. Is that what it was? Is that I the plague so. yeah. No, let me just look it up. Let me just look it up. Um, yeah, anyway, so internet. Morning I mean, Wars, it was great. Mm. It was like seeing an old friend come Right, back. well, I have just finally watched the Mayor of, e- Mayor of Easttown <laughs> just about like a year after everybody was watching it, just uh, relevant to our earlier discussion about, you know, watching it all together. I didn't. I watched it over about a day. I just, it was rainy, it was cold, and everybody in my house seemed to be occupied. And so I just uh, I woke up at five o'clock in the morning one morning. It was like a Sunday. And I thought, oh, now I can't get out to sleep. What am I going to do? I might watch that series. And then I just absolutely smashed it over Ripped the course of the day. So good. Um, Year of Wonders is the plague book. Did you love Jane Smart and Kate Winslet? Because oh, I remember I talked about it and said yeah. I thought their dynamic was so Unbelievable. good. And I just watched Hacks, of course. Right. So I was fully alert to Jane Smart. Great mother-daughter vibe. Yeah, they nailed that, didn't they? they Superb. And absolutely Jane's amazing. But I just, you know, I mean, it, some of the twists I thought got a bit daft towards the end, but I don't care. I mean, no, it was, yeah. It was kind of, I think I said at the time when we discussed it that I felt like if it didn't have some of those great actors in it, mm. it would have been just a middling kind of police procedural. Sure, yeah. But you, your Kate Winslet's and your Jane Smart's and the other woman that just won the award, yes, get her name, her, Amy yes. something, is her name? I can't remember. Anyway, they were all fantastic actors and so they kind of elevated it. Um, so, yeah, well done. Hey, everybody, Mayor of Easttown, <laughs> hot tip. It's great. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of, I, I missed a good segue before when we were talking about COVID and when literature or when, you know, film or whatever would look at it um it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11 so mm. I feel like I've been watching quite a bit of 9-11 yep. content there was a really good doco on Netflix um I think it was called something like inside the president's war room or something like that is that what it was called okay um, 9-11 war room something like that oh, it was the day of 9-11 and it's basically about Bush and the people who were with Bush and what their day it's just that 24 hours wow. and it's okay. the first I mean I haven't watched a ton of 9-11 stuff I find it quite hard actually to watch yeah. all those images again but um, it's the most in-depth I've seen Bush talking about what yeah. was going through his mind and his Because there's that day. famous scene in the primary school. Yeah. It's like reading that kid's book and you can see the aide approaching him and whispering something. Yeah. In his, ear. his eyes just bug out a bit. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how... Um, what was going through his mind about, well, I don't want to upset and rattle the kids and they're going to learn yeah. afterwards what's happened and so I'd like to just kind of try to finish this and then get out of here. And so then it talks about they all get in um, Air Force One and he wants to go back to Washington and they're refusing to take him to Washington. And so they've got Ari Fleischer, who was the press sec at the yeah. time, and Andy Card, the chief of staff, who was the one who whispered in his ear, yeah. and um, some of the journos who were in the press gallery on the day who were travelling in Air Force One, um, and they're all sort of talking about from their perspective what was happening. It's quite... It's really riveting, and then they've got. They must have interviewed Dick Cheney when he was still alive, and they're talking. Then they're talking about the White House and going into the Situation Room yeah. and what was happening there. One of the things that was terrible was um, the comms on Air Force One. They kept not being able to get information and have connection back to the White House. Like it was just. God. And then it's that thing, and I think it. I felt like it brought back all of the emotions of yeah. the day, like that sinking kind of feeling of dread, because when it became this realization that planes in the air were being used as weapons, and well, how many more are there, and where are they going, and um, you know, the hideous when the when the next one hit the Pentagon, and then the realization this one was flying in the air in Pennsylvania, yeah. and they have Cheney and Condoleezza Rice who were in the Situation Room talking about 
the decision that was made that they would use the Air Force to shoot that plane down, um, which they didn't have to do in the end because the passengers took it over and crashed it um, deliberately mm. to save people's lives. Um, and just that when when they've told Cheney it's crashed and he's, he's uh, I forget the term, words that he used, but it was basically he just wanted to know, did we do it? Like, did we did we shoot those people down? So it was um, it was a pretty hard watch actually, but it was I thought it really fleshed out some stuff that we hadn't heard before. Yeah, right. Wow, I'll definitely mm. watch that. Mm. Um, where were you? Like, you uh, I was out? in Sydney um, at home, and I was about to go to bed, and a friend rang me, um, another television person in Melbourne, and said. Something weird's happening in New York. Put the telly on. And so I put on Channel 10 yep. late night news. And um, it was the Twin Towers and, you know, smoke coming out yep. of one of them. And so I was chatting to my friend Kath. And then I said to her, this is really weird, but I feel, I think I'm seeing things. I feel like I just saw another plane hit the building. But I must, must be my brain imagining mm. it because we've just been hearing that a plane's hit the building. Mm. So it can't be two planes hitting the building. And then it just went from there. And so then... Um, I got a call about 1am to go in to work. Um. I was in um, Canberra where I lived at the time <clears> and um, my friend Alice, who you'll know as um, Glass Potatoes Alice, <laughs> yeah. um, was over and her partner, Jim Middleton, was in Washington with Howard. Um, oh, and right, so we I'm were watching, sure. I think we were watching right. the West Wing and um, we were having an argument about... <laughs> We're having an argument unrelated to the West Wing about whether corn could be classified as a fluid, like a really juicy piece of corn. <laughs> like, you know, it's the sort of discussion that you could really only have with Alice Ryan. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's we've had a long-term debate about which is the more versatile food stuff in <laughs> um, in human history, corn or rice. And because, you oh, know, you can good do... question, yeah. yeah the egg also gets a bit of a look in, you know, how many different things can you do with corn? How many th different things can you do with rice? Oh, and about that's the a good, that is a very good... Um, we need to just set up a discussion post about this. I'd, it's in the group, corn and maybe. rice trump egg, I'd, I'd suggest. Oh, meringue though. Yeah, but corn and rice can be turned into kind of long-lasting foodstuffs. Yeah, and they, got, like, they can be turned into oil and sugar yeah. and all sorts yeah. of... Yeah. Anyway, look... Let's what, just did park, you come let's, down? Let's park this. Did we you? did because then all these planes started going into the <laughs> bloody buildings and we were just like, what? And, of course, you know, for Alice, it was like, oh, oh hello, Jim's uh, my husband's over there and um, oh. what's going on? Um, and, of course, they were stuck because um, all planes were grounded and I think Howard got out of there on Air Force Two. Um, the Yanks let him have a plane and, you know, Yeah, but it was a while. They home. all got put in the – I remember I researched it for Detainee Double Two. They all got put in the basement at the embassy, yeah, the Australian right. embassy, um, and they were sort of kept there because there were – and there was a heap of business people who yeah. were there and um, Hugh Morgan. Um, yeah, right. Because a lot of business people were there to – on this delegation kind of thing with Howard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were all there and then, yeah, then they allowed um, Howard to get out. But, yeah, geez, it was a terrifying time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, makes me feel old. Um, and a bit despairing. Um, so um, further to this question of um, shows, American shows that are going episode by episode and also not far from the intimate parts of the White House, impeachment, I'm watching it. Yeah, now see, I've lost track because there's been, I feel like there's been a heap of Lewinsky yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, so this is um, that series, I can't remember what the actual series is called, but they did um, an OJ Simpson one and now they're 
it's so it's like a dram a dramatized reenactment. Oh, right. So it's played by actors. Oh, you know? yeah. great. Yeah, What's yeah. it on? Um, God, I knew you'd ask me that, and I can't remember. I think it's on binge actually. Is it as good as that OJ one? Look. I mm, love that OJ one. I thought that that was great too with um, David Schwimmer as oh, Robert Kardashian. Yeah. Um, do you know, if I'm absolutely honest, I think it isn't. It isn't that great. There right. you go. But, uh, but because I am so interested in the story and I, you know, well, you and I have spent a lot of time looking back retrospectively at, you know, what happened to um, Monica Lewinsky, um, I'm – I. Absolutely, we'll watch it all, I promise you. And the um, Linda Tripp is really well realised. Like she's, um, I don't know the name of the actor who plays her, but it is absolutely spot on. So it's kind of, um, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's okay. It's 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 not great. Um, but um, I'm going to keep watching. And at this stage... It's going chronologically, so we're just going to the point, going to the you know, got to the point where Linda Tripp is starting to sort of um, talk to Michael Isakoff from Newsweek, and you know, it's all right. starting to you know, and you know, there's a good analysis of what's happening with Paula Jones at the same right. time, and so like it's yeah, it's it's certainly satisfying. Okay, yeah. so um, for your for your Lewinsky buff, oh yeah, um, that you'd be oh into yeah, it, look, yeah. You, you your hardcore Lewinsky buff would be like. This is popcorn. But yeah, like, right. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to keep consuming it guiltily, <laughs> and um, I, it is going week by week. Right, it drops on Wednesdays, I think, and you know, I watched the third episode as soon as it dropped. Um, okay. Oh, so okay. So, I'm, well, you must be pretty eager, right? You, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Is um, this another one of these things that are dropping it once a week? Correct. Ah, oh, interesting. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we did um, misrepresented, we dropped all of the four episodes at once. On iView, but it's yeah. on telly it was once a week. That's right. right. And yeah. it was interesting because heaps of people, like lots of people, binged it straight away. You could tell from the numbers. But then the audiences for the weekly one were also still really strong. So oh. well, I think what it suggested was that there are essentially two different communities. Two groups of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Wish I could drop all the 7.30 episodes for yeah, the Yeah, exactly, the for the once. year and then just go and sun <laughs> your buns. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> no, maybe next year. What a, now, what a speaking, tremendous idea. Speaking of things that aren't great, I've been really wanting to talk to you about something. Another, we've been consuming a lot of American culture. It's another American thing. As you know, I don't, I don't often do an audio book. Um, I know. I'm listening to an audio book though at the moment. It's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by a woman called Laurie Gottlieb. Oh, I've got that book. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah, I haven't read it though. So it's about. She's a therapist, and it's about. It's kind of about the practice of therapy. Mm -hmm. It's about some of her patients, but it's also about herself and going to see her therapist and what's going on in her life. Like in treatment. Sort of like, yeah, well, that's why I was drawn to it. And that's why I thought I might listen to it, you know, instead of read it. Um, Look. It's shit. Is that what you're about to say? (laughs) You've got that kind of. mm. Well, I'm I'm trying to work out what I think of it, which is why I've I've brought it here to to therapy with you so you can help me understand, process my feelings. My eyes are swiveling desperately at this point looking for the exits. (laughs) Um, There are insights in it, but what I've realised is when I'm listening to it, I think "Mm, that's insightful and then none of the insights stick with me. Whereas like say that book I talked about the other week, Fully Human by Steve Biddle. Yeah. A lot of the insights of that are really stuck, right? Yeah. So that makes me think they're good insights, whereas this is a bit maybe popcorny yeah, insights. Yeah, right. And then also I'm about oh, – I've listened to about three, four hours of it. I just don't like the woman who's the first-person voice, right? And I'm trying to work out 
the book is not read by the author, it's read by an actor. Oh, so what I'm okay. trying to figure out is, is are you do annoyed I not... by the voice or is That's it... right. Mm. Is it the content that's putting me off and I don't like the content or is it the voice of the woman who's reading it? The voice of the woman who's reading it is a voice that I I kind of associate with a certain type of American podcast. It's what I'd call a kind of educated, overly self-aware, self-conscious, liberal American female voice. Right. Um, do you know the kind of voice Bit of, of vocal I mean? fry going on. You know, I, I just wasn't sure and she said to me, you know, oh, like okay. that kind yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I've know, sort yeah. of um, the kind of person who would say. Not NPR podcaster but a bit more kind of. Borderline NPR, yeah. po- NPR New York podcaster oh, kind okay, of voice, yeah. yeah. So um, can I please have the carb salad? Is there any chance that you could do the egg really hard-boiled and just. <laughs> Careful, uh, that's how I have a put salad. The, put, the, put the dressing on the side. That would be great. Thank you so much. Like that yeah. kind of okay. tone. Um, and so as you're listening to this podcast, you're basically imagining yourself as a really annoyed waiter. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go and spit in that salad, aren't you? Well, and so there's that, there's the vocal delivery. And so Mm. then I keep thinking, well, if this were being delivered in a kind of, you know, sobbing with laughter. (laughs) Jeremy Irons has got that kind of world weary British voice. God, so if Jeremy Irons read this book, you'd be like, this is an amazing If it was a woman with a like posh sort of bored British accent, would the humour come more to the fore and then I wouldn't find it so earnest and annoying? Oh, is it supposed to be a bit funny? I can't, I'm not finding it funny at all, but I'm wondering if that's because of the earnest, you know, overly self-aware kind of delivery. And then I think, well, maybe what if it was delivered in a lovely kind of lilting Irish voice? Maybe it would be. Or if Pam Ayres was reading it. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a totally different experience. But then the content is also kind of annoying. a soprano's bit part player was like. <laughs> and then I, I was like, I, I said to my therapist, like, you know. But... <laughs> um, and, but also the content, like, I'll give you an example of the content and this is why I feel like maybe it's the content that's annoying me. So she decides she's going to do IVF uh, by herself, not IVF, like a, she, she wants to have a baby, but by herself. Yeah, it is IVF, right? So she's going to go and do IVF on her own. She's, um, you know, so American. So I'm looking at the website for the sperm bank and I put some in my cart. There's this guy. He's what? so sperm? cute. Oh. Sperm bank. Oh, okay. the sperm bank. I put it in my cart. I check out online. Oh, my God. So um, they... Sorry, to be clear, she's buying semen online. Buying semen online. Okay. But sure. she's been taking ages to find the right sperm because... She's well, got to be the right guy because, you know, she's got to be the right person so that her future child, she's going to be able to explain why I picked this person. Right. And so she t- takes all this time and no one's no one's good enough. And then finally she sees this guy who looks a bit like young George Clooney and she feels like his values and his sense of humour and stuff all aligns with her. And so she decides, great, I'll order this in the morning. She gets online in the morning. It's sold, sold out. out. No, no There's more spunk. No more George, <laughs> no more young Clooney spunk. So then she... Well, that would be annoying. Then she... Um, um, then she tries to get a real life person to help her out and that falls through and then she gets a call from the sperm bank and they go, hey, listen, good news. Fresh batch. Clooney guy, um, somebody who bought some Clooney just got pregnant naturally and so they've returned it. What? And she's, she's Can gone. Can you do re- semen returns? It's, yeah, and I- it's still like it ha- it's unused in a vial in a you know, in <laughs> liquid nitrogen or however they store it. But the woman goes, so she spent all of this time in the chapter talking about that she was so crushed when it was sold out because she firmly believed that this was the father of her child and that and then the sperm gets returned and her reaction's like well I don't know if I could have sperm that's been returned it's just like oh Christ to be clear that would also be a concern for me <laughs> <laughs> so I just there's a 
lot. There's a lot to process. In now this I feel story. really worried that this is going to be another Taffy Brodus Narachna situation where I've like. You're going to get a personal letter. From I this try lady. when it's when we're talking about Australian content. I never am this frank with my negative opinions because I fear that you know the person who wrote it's going to hear. When it's like overseas famous famous authors, I, I just let my guard down because I don't assume that Laurie Gottlieb's going to oh, hear this. God. Or if we're talking Stop about saying her name, Brad. like it'll come up in some content tracker. <laughs> but yeah, I just I didn't I didn't love it, and I'm I'm just borderline wondering whether I should. I think you've got give to it away. finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know um, this story about the um, online semen sales does um, remind me that after I did a kitchen cabinet with Warren Ench once and I met his lovely wife. Oh, where's this going? And, uh, well, um, <laughs> uh, I ran into him after our episode of Kitchen Cabinet went to air. I was terribly sick on the day that we filmed that and I had a fever. It was just I can't oh, remember, I remember anything this, about yeah. the shoot. And I went for a ride on his Harley Davidson and I was just like, I'm, I'm going to die. Anyway, um, but when I ran into him later, I said, oh, you know, I asked to be re- remembered to his lovely wife. And she <laughs> said, uh, oh, it was a big birthday of hers the other day. Got her an amazing present. I'm like, oh, Warren, what did you give her? I gave her 60 straws of bull semen. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you very much, Warren. <laughs> oh, what a guy. Funny. Anyway, sorry. Um, we are... Still in America and um, further to – I've got two more American things to talk about, I yep. think, um, okay. if we've got time. Yep. One is that I finally watched The Jinx, which is another thing that people were watching uh, several years ago. Okay, right? what is it? Oh, my God. It is a, just – and I'm sorry to everybody. Go and make a cup of tea if you already talked about The Jinx, you know, when it was sort of amazingly culty popular a couple of years back. So it's a documentary – about this guy, Robert Durst. He's uh, the son of a like a wealthy property family in New York. Um, his dad owns like, you know, I don't know, eight skyscrapers in New York City or something. Ridiculously wealthy. He's a bit of a weird beard and he doesn't, he's not really interested in the family business. He's a bit strange. Meets this girl, falls in love with her and gets married. And then one day she disappears. Never seen or heard of again he says that they had an argument um she got on the train back to new york they were in one of some holiday house and she got back to um, new york he spoke to her on the phone she was in their apartment and then she was never seen again um and so friends of hers are like oh my god he totally killed her but they can't prove anything and it also gets a bit sort of a bit hushed up a little bit you know there's just oh the police can't find anything and so blah 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 and then years and years and years later like sort of 20 years later he is found to have rented um a house in i think Florida or Texas or something somewhere far from New York and he has murdered the guy who lives next door and then cut the body up and put it in um, plastic bags oh. and thrown it into a river. Oh. But the p- cops trace it back and they find this Robert Durst who had been living in this rental house as a woman, like he disguised himself as a woman and, yeah. Oh, my God. So, And, and in the meantime... The best friend of his disappeared wife, who they there was some sort of, you know, move to reactivate the case and she was going to um, be called to give evidence, um, she is found murdered in her house and they uh, can't find anyone to... So anyway, 
he stands trial for the murder of this next door neighbour guy that he killed whilst dressed as a woman. And the jury, like unbelievably, <laughs> the verdict in the case is, yes, he did kill the guy. Yes, he did um, cut up his body and dispose of it. His defence was, I killed the guy in self-defence. Like I walked into my house and this guy was there with a gun. And we wrestled and the gun went off and it killed him. And I thought, who's going to believe me that I've accidentally killed this guy because my wife disappeared and the other woman was killed. So the best thing for me to do is to cut the body up and put it in plastic bags. And he was acquitted. So that is extraordinary. But can you imagine like it's it's this incredible story, right? And Janine Pirro, who's now, you know, Fox News, you know, she was a um, public prosecutor in New York who really engaged with the case and was like, we're going to get this guy. Mm. And so, but it's so mysterious. There are so many weird, and he's such a wealthy, eccentric dude that there's, you know, like just acres and acres of copy on this, right? And so this filmmaker says... Gets a call from this Bob Durst guy who says, I'll give you an interview if you want to do a, like, I want to tell my story. And so they film, like, an extended long series of interviews with this Bob Durst. And so you get to watch him kind of telling the story of his relationship, what happened here, there, and whatever, and explaining things, and this is what happened. And it's quite extraordinary because he's such, he's a really strange dude. He's got this sort of blinky facial tick that it's impossible to resist the impression that he blinks like that when he's lying. He's sort of thinking all the time about ways to explain these weird oh, things that God. happened. And now I will tell you, but I'm, there is this sort of amazing moment right at the end of the film, like it's like six or seven um, series, it's like a six or seven parts. And look, it's the most famous thing about this documentary and it's kind of this incredible twist. So if you are interested in this documentary series and you haven't read about it or heard about the twist, just turn off now or, or just uh, just scroll ahead, um, let's One say minute. 90 seconds in this <laughs> podcast because they've got the camera rolling on him but the filmmakers um, go off or he's still mic'd up basically and you can hear him say, un, unaware that he's still mic'd up, um, I killed them all. Like he said, of course I killed them all. <laughs> and it's just like, ah! It's the most he terrifying. Right, he is terrifying. And I wonder how many other people he's killed that we don't know about because I, well, don't, I don't reckon you go from one killing to then a killing where you chop up the body. I know. Like that's... And there's like all these grabs of, you know, how the late night talk shows responded to this news, like with Steve, with John Stewart saying like, well, yeah, I mean, he's not guilty. All he did was chop up this guy and put him in bags. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, it's absolutely, absolutely gripping. And Robert I, Durst, if you're listening. If you're listening, I mean, with come Godley. on the show. Um, but, yeah, it, it's the weirdest, weirdest and most fascinating and sticky series and <sighs> I know that a lot of people know that because it was a big thing a few years ago and I kept thinking oh I must watch that and now I have cool um, um yeah and I've got, oh, I've one, got more one more amazing amazing thing that I just watched yes to tell you about what is it I'll keep it quick so I, oh, my daughter had heard of this and so and 
the title of this show, it's a filmed version of a play, right? And the and it was a big it was on Broadway in I think twenty eighteen or something. Um and the and it's by a woman called Heidi Shrek who yep. wrote this play and uh, stars in it. And it's called What the Constitution Means to Me. Yeah. And Heidi Shrek, as a 15-year-old, got involved in this public speaking competition, which was some sort of like constitutional debate series where kids would travel to compete and they would have to give a seven-minute speech on what the Constitution means to me. And then there'd be this kind of like wild card round where they'd have to draw an amendment out of a tin and give an extempore five-minute talk oh about God. that amendment, right? Wow. And so in this play, she's she's talking about how that's how she put herself through college. She was really, really good at this competition. And her mum used to drive her all around, like, state to state, winning these competitions. Mm. And that's how she paid her way through college with the prize money for this wow. um, competition. And... So then she kind of goes back and sort of inhabits the character of her 15-year-old self. And then and she starts, she talks about the Constitution and then she talks about various amendments. And it's the m- most extraordinary thing because she picks out amendments and she applies them to the experience of her own family. Like her great-grandmother was bought, um, she was a German woman who was bought um, off a, essentially a mail order catalogue and imported to Washington where there was a shortage of women and she was um, married to, you know, um, Heidi Trek's great-grandfather and eventually it didn't work out very well. And what happens over the course of this play is you learn more and more about Heidi Schreck's family history of um, domestic violence and how various generations of her family women of her family dealt with it depending on what rights they had um, under various amendments of Ah. the constitution, right? So she talks about birth control, she talks about abortion, she talks about her own abortion um, and her um, grandmother's um, abuse at the hands of her step-grandfather and how her mother and her aunt responded to that. It's just – and it's sort of – she's very funny – but also she's telling a story about women and women's rights in America and it is unbelievably moving and funny at the same time and just the most original idea for a play I've seen. And then sometimes she plays audio from judgments like Mm. um, and judges and interpretations and her constitutional law is really kind of Fantastic! Like she talks with such energy and enthusiasm about the constitution and various amendments. And anyway, I just how did you it, see it? How did you watch it? it it's on um, Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. So, but it's like it's they've just filmed the production of the play, so you right. can see the audience responding as well. Oh, great! That sounds it's good. It's just it is so good. They yeah. filmed actually also Come From Away, which is oh, on. Oh, right. Uh, is it on Disney Plus or that. Apple yeah. Plus? I can't remember, but um, they do a good job of filming those Broadway, yeah. some of those Broadway plays. Yeah. Because the Hamilton production, is I great. thought, yeah. was really well done. Um, okay. Anyway, I'll look out for absolutely that. Absolutely hard recommend. Awesome. So if you wanted to watch, like I watched it with my 14 year old daughter, there's a few F bombs, and obviously there's a dis- you know, discussion of abortion, um, and um, obviously domestic violence and assault. So just 
be warned on those points, but it is amazingly inspirational and great piece of work. Sounds good. Okay, let's oh, wrap that's it. done it for America. Let's finish. We've finished with America. That's it. We've dealt with it. See you later. Let's do French next week. No way. <laughs> Too no, soon. No. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bonsoir.